from a macro long-term perspective, I think it's an incredibly advantageous time to take paper money and trade it in for hard assets that generate income. And my favorite hard asset that generates income is multifamily housing. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. I'm so thankful you have decided to come back and listen again today and improve your business or your passive investing journey. Our guest today is an expert in this space, a good friend of mine who I respect in a big way. Is Ivan Barrett, a 20 year veteran in the real estate business. He's raised over $250 million. He's acquired over 6,000 units. And today you want his opinion about what's going to happen over the next six to 12 months, right? I know you do, just as I do as well. Just somebody, anyone like this that I respect in a great way in this industry and just very experienced. I want to know what they're expecting, right? How are they preparing? Are they buyers? Are they sellers? You're going to hear that today from Ivan, just exactly what he is expecting, how they're planning, what's changed on how they're operating, or has it changed? And we're also going to talk about reserves as well. And what does that look like in the BAM companies? I want to remind you also, if you will go to iTunes and leave a written rating and review, send us a screenshot to info at lifebridgecapital.com. I will send you a recommended book as a gift. I'm grateful for you, the listener, and grateful you are here with us again today as we join with Ivan. Ivan, welcome back to the show. Honored to do numerous days with you. Good to be here. Happy to do it, man. Having fun. Now, I want the listeners to know, hey, you need to go back and listen to the last two days. Ivan's talked through so many things about how he got started from his bedroom, starting his own management company to uh, over 6,000 units purchased. It's just an incredible story. Also, capital raising during a recession. Some ways that have worked for him and, you know, from starting to what they're working on now, just an incredible story as well. But, you know, Ivan started to allude yesterday at the end a little bit about his thoughts on what to expect over the next six to 12 months. What's this potential recession or the recession that we're in, you know, going to look like, is he buying, is he selling? I just thought, hey, we, let's spend just a few minutes and talk just about that. Ivan, let's dive right in. I know the listeners would love to hear yeah. your thoughts on what to expect and, you know, how has that changed what you are doing or has it? And let's dive in. Absolutely. And feel free to cut me off if, if I ramble on too long since we're short on time. But right now, as you and I are filming this in mid-December, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas. And just today, inflation's come in cooler than expected. 10-year treasuries dropping again. I'm fairly certain we've seen a peak in rates. I think the Fed is going to raise again here and then maybe pause after that. It's really hard to try and figure out exactly what's going to happen in the short run. But from a macro long-term perspective, I think it's an incredibly advantageous time to take paper money and trade it in for hard assets that generate income. And my favorite hard asset that generates income is multifamily housing in the Midwest. Why? Well, people need a place to live. The Midwest is very stable. It's still growing. A lot of good reasons behind that I won't get into for reasons of time here. And what's happening right now is that there's more opportunities to transact. So we're buying assets from groups that are ready to take profit off the table, albeit less profit than they would have if they had sold earlier in 22. But they still made money from maybe building a project or they've 
executed their strategy. So they're ready to sell. They're ready to recycle that capital. There's also big funds out there that are having pain right now. BlackRock, Beery, making national news. They overpaid for everything in sight because they had tens of billions of dollars that they had to put out. And unlike you and me, Whitney, they don't have to worry about the individual investors and that track record quite as much as we do. And their pain is our gain. So right now we're seeing some really incredible buying opportunities. For us, a normal year, we might acquire four assets. I think in the next couple of years, we might acquire, you know, six, eight, 10 assets in a given 12 month period. We'll just have to see. It's still a time to be disciplined, to use caution and to be careful and, and make sure you're buying something where you've got a real value add approach that can be executed because that's where the returns, the bulk of the returns come from. But there's more of those out there right now because some buyers have gone away, some big funds have gone away. And the same thing that happened to us in the early lockdown days of COVID when nobody was buying, you know, my partner and I raised our hand and said, we're buyers because I know I can bet on my management team. I know people are going to need a place to rent. And so if I find markets that are still growing, good schools, great diverse jobs picture, and a growing population that I can execute my business plan. Late in 21, 22, when interest rates were at their lowest and everybody could get money and everybody was looking for deals, it was harder to find an asset. So for 2023, let's see, for 22, I'm definitely a net buyer. For 23, I think I'll be a net buyer as well. What that means is I'll be buying a lot more units than I will be selling. Incredible. I'm grateful just for your outlook. I know the listeners are as well. What do, how do you expect your current units to perform you know, over the next 6 to 12 months? We still use a lot of floating rate debt. We use a lot of rate caps and we keep a lot of cash on the sidelines to be able to pay that higher interest in the short term. Because although I could switch over to permanent debt if I wanted to, that's going to lock me into five, seven, 10 years of perm debt with hefty prepayment penalties, meaning I'm going to be paying that higher interest for a long period of time. So by having the flexibility of floating shorter term debt with rate caps and more cash on the side, those that's my insurance, right? I can be more nimble as to when, when I sell the assets. So in the past, I've been a three and a half year hold period on average to get that two and a half X return that we aim for. And I want to be able to stick close to that if I can. I wouldn't be surprised if hold periods start increasing from three and a half to more like five years. I like the optionality, the way I've got my debt set up. And then, you know, as a CEO, I get a great dashboard every week. It's got a lot of different things on it. One of which is rent growth on lease trade outs in my different funds. And so we track those right now. We're anywhere from 12 to, I think, on the low end, 8% rent growth. Now that's slowed down from 15, 16% rent growth, but it's still quite a bit higher than the average for the markets I'm in. So one thing we do to help manage risk is we underwrite to the historical rent growth, right? So that we know if it returns to the norm that we're still going to hit our return objectives. And if we get higher rent growth than that, we're going to do better than we originally told our investors. Recession, I think we're going to see quite a bit of deflation coming up. You know, this this pendulum that's been swinging so hard and all sorts of things, prices, rent growth, demand, availability of goods. 
you know, that's a pendulum that got hit pretty hard and is swinging pretty hard thanks to COVID. Eventually, that'll normalize and the pendulum slows down and it's not quite as wild. The rest still in for some wild swings and a lot more of the market that's betting the, the bond market, which is, I don't know if you remember, maybe 10 times bigger than the stock market, is already indicating that the Fed is over-tightened. And the bond market usually gets long-term macroeconomic changes correct. The bond market's already saying we've seen a peak in rates and so we're going to come down from here. Has it changed your operations moving forward, you know, like over the next six months? Are you all doing anything different than you were a year ago as far as just the way you're managing your assets? Oh, gosh. If I asked my team to put together a brief of all the things we're doing differently than we were doing a year ago, it's, it'd be a long one. Okay. Because some know, people say, well, we're not changing anything, you know, and I just wonder. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, every the year, the market and how we look at deals changes, you know, over the past several years, the vintages of assets we've been buying have been newer and newer. Last several assets we've been buying are more institutional grade off the original developer, but we're buying assets where we can burn off their leasing concessions. We can operate it more nimbly, more lean than they did. You know, they're, they're great builders, but maybe not the leanest of operators, right? Their profit comes from building, not from operating. That could change next year, right? It's kind of like, a, you know, you hear the football announcers in the game saying, hey, the team can play the game they're being given, right? Then they're going to win this football game. You've got to play the market you're going to be giving. And so the market's always changing. You've got to adapt with it. On the property management side, it's more about just continuous improvement. And yeah, it's been it's been quite easy the last few years to get great deals and get great returns. Now is where the rubber meets the road, and it's going to be a factor harder to get those returns. And that's where the operation side of it really has to shine. So we're making sure that we got the best asset management team on the field. We're making sure that they're looking over the shoulders of the property management side of the house. We just made a big hire. We brought in one of the most well-known veterans of maintenance in the Midwest. We brought him in to run our maintenance training program because we want our maintenance team to be the best on the field as well. So we're making those investments like we talked about in an episode, maybe the first day, right, is putting that great team on the field that looks like the team that is going to deliver the company that you want to have I want to have a year from now, two years from now, and out into the future. Yeah. Wow. So many things we could go into, Ivan. Us, us bringing <laughs> <I know. laughs> management in-house this past year as well. You know, there's so many things you and around that I'd love to talk to you You're about. You're doing the right thing, man. And, You're uh, doing the right thing. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to pay off. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's been the easier road, I don't think. However, you know, if we'd have stayed on the road we were at, I thought we probably would have been worse. So, uh, When you can control the whole chessboard and every piece on it, and you can take your best leasing agent from this property that's doing great now, and you yeah. can move them over to another property and... You can work that board and every penny on that line item. And you're looking at it. You train your team to look at it as an owner would. We train our maintenance techs on cash flow. Nobody trains them on that. Right. These guys come along. Right. Nobody's ever told me about how this affects the budget and you know how this affects cash flow. We train our people on that so that maybe they're not looking at it as like I would, but they're looking at it a little bit better than a third party team would. Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created 
They're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. Right. One quick question before we move to a few final questions just in the last few minutes that we have. Reserves. I get this question often about how do we look at reserves? How many how much reserves should we have? And, oh, and man. even across I, I've yeah. heard this across the all fund, over the place. Across the funds, I right now am probably somewhere between two and three times cash in reserve than the bank mandates. I've got millions in cash in the funds that I'm not distributing to investors. Yeah. Now we show them how much cash is sitting there. So they kind of get an idea of what their investments worth and the fair market value and the cash on hand. But we separated, we've got a shares, they get cash every month, right? They don't have any upside from there. The B shares were very upfront. We say, Hey, listen, this is no cash flow, but more upside on the back end because there's now fewer B shares because of the A shares coming in. I don't want to go down too far that rabbit hole, but for the majority of our investors that don't care about cash flow, we're keeping their cash in the bank. Only the A shares are getting their distributions. So I get the question often about like, should I have three months, six months, 12 months of operating expenses and debt service in the bank? Or how do you see that? Or do you think about it like that? I'd have to phone a friend. I'd have to call my asset management team and my my partner, one of the best real estate operators in the country. I certainly don't can't take the credit for what he does, but I know right now that we're somewhere between two and three times what the bank mandates we should have in reserves on okay. hand in cash. Good for you. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm so big on man. We need ample reserves without cash yeah, and crash. Yeah. You know, don't hate me, but I I call it the wind shit happens pile. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Quickly, most important metrics that you track, it could be personally or professionally. Ooh, man. This is why you should send me these questions ahead of time, Whitney. You, you got me stumped there. <laughs> personally, it's it's a little more ambiguous, but trying to get in one-on-one time, date nights with my wife, one-on-one time with the kids, trying to keep track of how much time I'm spending with them. That's that's a big one. Try to work out pretty much every day. On the professional side right now, I'm, I'm watching rent growth and debt cover are my two big ones. And then I'm watching some of those other key metrics on a monthly basis, trailing NOI, occupancy, debt collection, those kinds of things. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Ooh, (laughs) I didn't think this would pop into my mind. You know, normally I say this question, it's not one thing. It's a bunch of little things done well with discipline every day. But if I didn't have faith in what I can't see today, right? If I didn't have faith, I wouldn't be here, man, because a lot of this takes takes stepping forward in faith, especially when you start your own company. It can be scary. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, You'll have to tell me sometime how you did both at the same time with a job and a business and all that. I, I couldn't help there. How do you like to give back? What we started doing a long time ago is we just, we started saying, okay, we're going to do this percent every year. We're going to give back. And then next year, we're going to raise it a percent. The year after that, we're going to raise it a percent. And so that's helped us incrementally give back more And then I try to find great people like, you know, what you're doing on the adoption side. We give to our church. We like to try to get our kids involved. Best thing we did for our kids is we've gone on a couple home builds, get them out of their bubble. You know, they're living pretty good here in in the Midwest. 
trying to get them out of that bubble and show them how the rest of the world lives, give them perspective. So I'm trying to be better at giving more time. It's easy sometimes to give the treasure when there's a lot of it to give. But my wife will be the first one to tell you, like, kids need to see me giving back. We need to be actually in it, doing things. And then we've always got something set aside for somebody just pulls on our heart or something happens to somebody's family, something like that. We, we've always got a, a bucket set aside for those those in the moments where we feel that tap on the on the spiritual shoulder. That's incredible. I appreciate you even bringing up bringing the kids into that as well. It's something we're working really hard on that, too. It's like. I have no idea how great they have. <laughs> you know, like, man, you know, most of the world do not live like this. And so, you know, even like from serving at some local soup kitchens or delivering food and, you know, it's got us in different parts of the community by doing that, that they would typically never get to see. Right. We got a lot more of that to do. So we raised some kids that are chasing after God and hoping make this place a little better than they found it. Ivan, I can't thank you enough for your time and and being willing to spend so much of your valuable time with us. Man, uh, it's so great to catch up with you. Always enjoy it. One of my favorite people in the business, to say the least. So I'm uh, grateful to have you. Tell the listeners again, though, how they can get in touch with you. Well, first, right back at you, man. I could do this all day with you. I know you got a hard stop, too. But I just really enjoy this and hope I delivered some value to your audience. Maybe just help one entrepreneur get a little bit closer to their goals. Pretty easy to find. Google my name down here, Ivan B-A-R-R-A-T-T, the BAM companies or BAM Capital, 317-762-2625, 317-762-2625. Merry, Merry Christmas, Whitney. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 